Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Somebody look at your neighbor and say this, he did it for me. Look at your other neighbor, say it again, say he did it for me. Our scripture tonight is found in John chapter 3, verse 17. John chapter 3, verse 17. The Bible says this in John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Somebody say, he did it for me. One more time, say, he did it for me. Okay, now look, I need your help. Touch your neighbor right now and say, he ain't lying. Come on, look at another neighbor and say, he telling the truth. Okay, now look, I'm going to tell you right now, I ain't lying, I'm telling the truth. It happened last year. Last year, I was flying from Florida to New Zealand. In order to get there, you go from Florida to Texas, Texas to California, California to New Zealand. That's cool. I can do that. It's like two hours from Florida to Texas, four hours from Texas to here, and then another 15 hours from here to, to, to New Zealand, but it's free movies, which is okay. Now look, the first flight, everything was cool. When I got to Texas, everything was fine. But from Texas to California, the plane broke. No, no, no. Okay, I got one girl like, oh my God, he crashed. No. No, no, no. I'm, I'm gonna, it ain't gonna happen. Look, look, normal sized people can be in a plane crash and survive. I'm way too big for that. If I'm in a plane crash, I'm dead. And whoever sitting beside me, she dead too. All right. Somebody say he ain't lying. No, don't do that. All right. So it was on the ground. It took them three hours to fix the plane. When they finally fixed the plane, we get to California. I had to run from one terminal to the other terminal to get my flight to New Zealand. I don't know if you've ever seen people running through the airport. It's pretty cool. But I'm pretty sure you've never seen a 295-pound brother run through the airport. Because that's awesome. All right. All you can hear was, look out. Do women grabbing their purses. People were grabbing their children. Some dude yelled, ISIS is coming. I didn't know what that brother was trying to say. I didn't have time to stop. When I got there in New Zealand, I was tired. I was breathing heavy. I was like, and the lady goes, you going to New Zealand? I'm like, she said, the plane's gone. I said, what? She goes, the plane's gone. I said, you left me? can't leave me she goes sorry sir what's your name i said my name reggie she goes what's your last name i said dabs i know it's like i know i know i know then she said oh mr dabs i'm sorry but i got a note for you a message from air new zealand it said we're sorry this is our fault we got a hotel for you we got a limousine for you she goes look out that door see that limousine he could take you anywhere you want to go i said what she said he'll take you anywhere i said that limousine for me she said, yeah. I said, all right, all right, all right. Okay, now look, y'all know I didn't go straight in no hotel. I wasn't in your area. I was in San Francisco. But you know if a brother in San Francisco with a limousine driver, he ain't going right in no hotel. You know where I went? McDonald's. That's where I went. I don't know what y'all were thinking, but I did. The guy got there. The guy go, you want to run in? I said, no, I'll go through the drive-thru. You know what I'm saying? When I got to the window to pay, I'm standing in the sunroof like, word. <laughs> they put me at the Embassy Suite Hotel. It was nice. It was nice. I was on the 12th floor. It was nice. But I was tired. It's like midnight here. That's 3 a.m. in Florida. Brother got to sleep. 
I went to sleep and I was sleeping good. Anybody ever sleeping really good and something wake you up? All I got is the Dream Center girls with me tonight. But I'm going to tell the rest of y'all right now. They are all I need to make this thing work, all right? I'm just saying. I said, anybody? Okay, look. Now, look. If you're new and you hadn't been here, okay, look. I'm black. I'm from the South, all right? So, black preachers from the South, you got to talk to your neighbor. You got to talk to the preacher. You got to say, all right, all right, all right. They put titles on their sermon. He did it for me. Somebody say, he did it for me. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, he did it for you, too. Even if you're looking all ugly. Oh, no, no, don't say that. Don't say that. We're in church. It's a bully-free zone. All right. There's a voice in my head. Woke me up and the voice said. <laughs> oh, you got it now. Y'all couldn't hear it. I said, there's a voice in my head. Look here. What did it say? That's what I'm talking about. Go ahead. Take yourself back to Georgia right now. All right. The voice said, uh-oh. And I'm like, uh-oh, what? Listen to me. Last week of August, last year, San Francisco, California, by the airport at the Embassy Suite Hotel, I was in an earthquake. I was in an earthquake. Now, y'all looking like, so? You in California? Well, I ain't from go California. We don't have earthquake. No, y'all, everything was shirking. My bed shaking, the curtain shaking, the TV shaking. All I could think of was, I'm on the 12th floor. I wonder who under me on the 11th floor. Whoever it is, they dead, all right? I jumped out of bed. By the time I jumped up, it was over. It was like, everything stopped. I'm like, what was that? So I grabbed a remote, turned on the TV. It's some early morning News show. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And the weather guy's like, y'all feel that? That was an earthquake. It's going to be sunny in 68 tomorrow. <laughs> you don't go back to the weather after an earthquake. So I had to know. So I did what I did. I grabbed my iPad. I went on Wi-Fi. I put in a little search thing, earthquake. First thing popped up, said this, earthquake, December 7, 1988, Armenia, thousands dead, thousands injured, father loves son. So I read it again. Earthquake, December 7, 1988. Armenia. Thousands dead, thousands injured. Father loves son. What's that got to do with anything? Father loves son. Why is it even there? So if you have an iPad, if you're in the search, if you hit anything on that search, it'll take you there. So I hit Father loves son, and it took me there. And this is what it said. On December 7th, early in the morning, a dad opened his son's bedroom door. When he did, the son was sound asleep. So the dad did something a little strange. He fell on all fours and crawled across the bedroom floor. When he got by his son's bed, he peeked over the edge and just watched him sleep for a couple of seconds. Then the dad started whispering the same phrase over and over and over again. And every time he said it, he got a little louder. He said this. No, he didn't say that. Then it got weird. I'll always be here for you. Okay, no, it didn't. I just wanted to do that. I don't like scary movies. You know why? Who loves scary movies? Raise your hand. I know we in church, but who loves scary movies? You know why I don't? Because black people die first. That's why I don't like no scary movie. 
I know y'all California, y'all like that is not politically correct. It's true. And if you Asian, you next. I'm just saying, all right? So look, if you Asian, get behind Reggie. If we're in a scary movie, I will sacrifice myself. It'll take a monster a long time to chew through this. And you can get away, all right? Somebody touch your neighbor and say, he did it for you. I love the look. Some of you have never heard me before. You're like, is that right? Only brother don't die in a scary movie is Denzel Washington. Can I say something? There's one man. I'm, I'm going to look to the old opposite direct. There's one man in the room. Ain't laughed until I did that right there. <laughs> when the dad got really loud, the boy laughed his head off. The dad scooped him up in his arms, got him shower dressed, fed him breakfast, and walked him to the school at the end of the street. Every day. Somebody say every day. He did it every day. The first time the dad told his son, I'll always be there for you, was two and a half years earlier. The day that the little boy said goodbye to his mom. And the day that the dad buried his wife. She was in a car accident. There was nothing they could do to save her. And from that day on, the dad knew he had to take care of his boy. He quit his high-paying lawyer job, took another job, where he didn't have to go to work till after school started. And he'd leave work before school got out. So Monday through Friday, every day, you see this dad at the school gate saying to his son, I'll always be here for you. But on December 7, 1988, they didn't know what was going to happen. He hugged his boy and said goodbye, watched him run up the steps. The dad never got to work that day. The earthquake hit. Everything was shaking. Buildings collapsed from around him. He's watching people die. He dropped his briefcase, never found it again. All he could do is turn and run back to the school. When he turned the corner and his eyes saw the school, it was a three-story building with 1,000 students. Every kid was in a classroom when the earthquake hit. It was flat all the way to the ground. Every kid buried alive. The, he, the dad ran to where the school gate was, the steps. He had just left his boy, and he closed his eyes. He thought back to the first day of school. You know why, sir? Because on the first day of school, he didn't just take his son to the steps. He walked him to his first class. So he knew, one, eight steps to get in the building. Two, turn left, go 29 steps down the first hall. Three, turn right, go 13 steps. Four, turn left, and he's in front of the classroom door. When he got there, he's outside. So the dad started digging. I looked it up four different places online. He dug for two, five, nine, 12, 15 hours. After 15 hours, he couldn't feel his hands. When he looked down, blood everywhere. The sharp rocks and glass had cut his hands. So he took his shirt off, wrapped his right hand in it. Took his t-shirt off, wrapped his left hands. Kept digging. 24 hours, an entire day and 90. At 29 hours, at 32 hours, at 35, he wanted to stop. 39 hours later, there's a piece of concrete he couldn't move. So he found a piece of iron. He shoved it in the crack of that concrete. Somehow got leverage. It was a hole. He yelled in the hole, son. Second time he said, son. Before he could say it a third time, from the hole, he thought he was hallucinating. He heard his son yell, dad, dad. I knew you'd come. I knew you'd come. And the dad put his hand in the hole, weeping and crying. He said, take my hand, son. And the boy goes, I can't. He goes, are you stuck? He goes, no. The dad said, what's wrong? And the boy said, dad, you got to take my friends first. And he felt the hand and he pulled the kid out. And another, another. 23 times the dad reached in the hole. And the 23rd time he grabbed his son and he pulled him out. I am in San Francisco last August on the edge of a bed. I'm reading this and I look at the screen on my iPad and there's water spots on it. I'm like the sprinkler system broke. <laughs> then I realized I was the sprinkler. <laughs> I'm sitting there crying, reading this story. 
And the voice in my head again spoke up and it said, who dig you up, Reggie? Who come for you, Reggie? Who be there for you, Reggie? You see, this morning I said it and I'll say it again. I grew up in foster care my entire life. My mom slept with a man for $20 to get food for my brother and my two sisters. She got pregnant and gave birth to me. I'm glad she gave birth to me, but my mom gave me away. She said I wasn't mistaken, should have never been born. From 8 to 21, when I heard my story at 8 years old, I was highly suicidal. But I'm not dead because I'm 53. I'm just saying Jesus came through. And if he did it for me, he could do it for you. Somebody say, he did it for me. Say, he did it for me. Say, he did it for me. So the only thing you need to know tonight is Jesus is looking at you and he's saying, don't give up. Don't give up. No matter what you're going through, you can make it. And sometimes you got to give people hope. You got to be hope. So everybody, you got to help me out. Everybody go like this. Just go like this. Put this finger up right here like that. There you go. There you go. Cool. Cool. Now do me a favor. Point at somebody either left or right and then bring it back right here. Ready? Go. Boom. Boom. That's good. Now, put, bring it back. Don't forget, bring it back. You didn't bring it back. Okay. All right. He must be wanting to get a date. He was like. That was cool the way he did it, though. It was like. Hey. All right, all right, all right. Now, number two, point at yourself and bring it back. Now, bring it up and bring it down. Okay, let's try it again. Neighbor, sell, up. Neighbor, some of y'all messed up. Okay, look at somebody with dark skin. They'll show you what to do, all right? They'll be all right. <laughs> that was not good either. But I know y'all. Some of you are like, you can't keep saying stuff like that. I'm sorry, man. It's like... <laughs> It's the southern way. I'm just saying it is what it is. Now, you now this time, you got to say something. Go like this. Now, look, you got to help me doing my song. Point at your neighbor, look him in the eye and say, don't you give up. Point at yourself and say, I won't give up. Put it up and say, let me love you. I just thought we needed to have a little Bieber praise break. Some of y'all messed up. Some of you are like, oh, no. Can you do that in church? <laughs> yeah. Come on, just say it one more time. All right, all right, all right. Let me show you something. I need to show you what really happened. I need to show you what it was like. All this, everything Free Chapel is, comes down to something I want to show you. Some of you are like, but you're preaching. Aren't you going to tell me? Oh, no. I'm going to do both. I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to show you. Now, wait. I'm going to tell you right now. Go ahead and take a deep breath right now. Now, just breathe out, because you ain't never going to be the same. The next eight minutes is going to change your life forever. Because for the first time in a lot of your lives, you're going to get to see with your eyes what God did for you and for me. Everybody say, he did it for me. Don't forget the scripture, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What it comes down to is this. There once was a father who loved his son and a son who loved his father. And it goes. Every day, this boy, when school ended, had to go to the library. Either the bus came or his dad came and knocked on the window. And if his dad came to knock on the window... This little brother became the happiest dude on the face of the planet Earth because he knew that if daddy came and knocked on the window, that he got to go to work with his father that afternoon. 
And on the days that he got to go to work with his dad, he was the happiest boy ever. You'll see why. On that particular day, there's something you need to know about this boy. He was a little bit different than a normal kid. Normal kids do their own thing, have their own way, are oblivious to what's around him. But not this one. He saw things even adults didn't want to see. For example, that day, as they were walking to the trolley to get to work, there was a man underneath the window of an apartment. There was a woman in the window who wouldn't let him in, and he's in a bathrobe and slippers. Obviously, this brother did something wrong. And the woman, she ain't even going to let him in. Obviously, she's Spanish. My white Puerto Rican dog, you just don't mess with that, all right? Word. The boy stopped and he looked at the man and he, he didn't even want to go. And even the man saw the boy, but as the dad came and said, we got to go. You can't be distracted, son. I got to get to work. Just come with me. Stick right beside me, all right? It's almost as if this man knew there was something about this child, something different about this little boy. But not as soon as they turned the corner, he knew he was going to work with his dad. The next stop is the trolley. When they get on the trolley, it don't matter if it's full or even if there's empty seats. This boy always, always, always sit on his daddy's lap because he loved his daddy. He loved him so much. And even on the trolley that day, he saw something. The little boy saw something. He saw a couple, a man and a woman. The man was on the phone, happy, smiling. But the woman looked like she wanted to be anywhere but right there. See how perceptive the little boy is. He saw things. He sensed things. He was a very, very special boy. And that day, even watching that couple, he knew there was something different. Just something different. But soon he got to be really, really, really happy. Because he remembered again, I'm going to work with my dad. From the trolley, if it wasn't raining hard, they would get off the trolley and go through the woods, just a little path. That day, the dad looked at his son and he asked him something. He said, son, what do you want to do when you grow up? He goes, I don't know. What do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. But dad, whatever I do, I want to help people. I want to let people know they can make it. I want to give people hope and love. You see, here's what I know today. You, me, all of us, we're all on a train of life. We're all trying to get from point A to point B. And for somehow, whoever that girl is, fate or destiny, they let our path cross tonight. And the train of life has many stops on it, has many people on that train. Many things can happen on the train of life, good and bad. But the question is, where are you at today? What do you need today on your train of life? Now, I know I'm using the word train a lot because the boy's running to the train track. And the reason why he's running to the train track is because dad worked for the train company. But the dad had the coolest job ever. He was a bridge conductor. He worked on the bridge. His job was to make sure boats can come in with goods like seafood and stuff like that. And that trains can still get from point A to point B. But while dad was working for the train company, the little boy got to do what the little boy loved to do, fishing. Anybody go fishing in California? Any fishermen up in here? Clap your hands if you're a fisherman up in here. Oh yeah, go girl, look at her, she clapping. That's good, that's good. 
the dad had rules. He said hi to his friend that he was about to take his job. And he looked at his son and he gave him the rules. There's always rules. There's even rules in life. The rule is simple. Stay by the track. Stay right here underneath the window. You can fish. You can throw rocks. You can do what you got to do, son. But you got to stay where I can see you from the window. If I can't see you from the control window, you can't come to work with me anymore. The boy had never messed up. He always did what he was supposed to do. Because he just loved being with his dad. So daddy goes to work. The boy's throwing rocks. And another cool day is about to begin. Hey, can I just stop for a second? Hey, look around. You know what I'm noticing? All y'all, every, they ain't nobody even going to the bathroom. Everybody's like, wait for it. So the dad started his job. I had to wait for the music. He always had one eye on his job and one eye on his son. His job was simple. You see, there was a phone. Every boat captain knew the phone number. If they were coming in with goods, they would call him. On that particular day, a captain wanted to come in. It was like ways enough time. So the dad did what he did, pulled the big lever. The gears started churning. The steel, it was like tons and tons of steel starts moving. And that big old bridge goes up and up and up and up in the air so that the boat can come in with his goods. There was way more than enough time for that boat to come in before it was time for the train to come. Now every time the dad would pull that gear, he would have to check and make sure there's enough oil, that everything's safe, everything's fine. But even in his job, he kept one eye on the train, one eye on his son, one eye on the gears. He made sure everything was okay. His boy was there. He's gonna go fishing. He's gonna catch something good for dinner. So the dad just went to check all the gauges. But here's the deal. Help me out with this. Red means, green means, do you see it right there? What color is it? Did the train stop? No. The train didn't stop. One, the train was early. Two, it didn't stop. I don't know what the train conductor was doing, but as the dad was gone looking at the gears, the boat was coming in. The little boy heard the, the horn of the train and the little boy started going, dad, the train's early. Even the boy's been there so much. He knew the train was early, but the boy knew what he could do. He couldn't hear his dad. He couldn't see his dad. So he knew because his dad showed him right beside the track. There's a special lever. It's red. If you pull it down, the train bridge would come down 10 times faster than it should in case of an emergency. Now the dad's just checking his gauges. He has no idea that the train is early. He definitely doesn't know that it didn't stop. And the people on the train had no idea what was happening. Had no idea. They just hanging out with their friends. Just going from point A to point B. Some of you in this room, you're just going from point A to point B. You have no idea what's going on. You have no idea what's happening. But the train came too early. The dad looks and sees the smoke from the steam and he knows it's going fast. So the dad's like, I got to get that train down. But remember, there's one eye on the train and the other eye on his son and his son's gone. He can't see him. So he begins to yell, son, 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 where are you? And the boy had reached the hatch with the red lever. He just wanted to save the day. He just wanted to help people. When he went to pull the lever, the boy, dad saw him and the boy fell inside the gears. Now, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me very carefully. Now there's a choice to be made. One, do I save my son 
or two, do I save you? Do I save my child? Or do I save the world? There's not enough time. Nobody knew. Nobody had any idea what was happening. Some of you have no idea that your life is in jeopardy. You just do what you got to do. Go where you got to go. Not knowing that thousands of years ago, God sacrificed his only son so that you could find hope on a Sunday afternoon. But the dad knew. He knew what he had to do. He waited until the last possible moment. And all he could think of was, I don't know. There's God. There's only one choice. So he did what any, he pulled the lever. His son was killed instantly. And everybody on the train never knew. They never knew. They'd read about it in the paper the next day, the next three days, next four days, but they'll never know. I know I made it modern. I know I made it updated, but it happened. When God let his son go to Calvary, when he let his son die on the cross, he could have stopped it. He had 10,000 angels ready to come down and stop it, but he didn't. Why? Because God loves you. He loves you just the way you are. Now watch this. There will come a time in your life when you'll get a glimpse of who God is and what he did for you. God promised that he would do that. You may even be in the bathroom of life, in the toilet of your train, but you will get a glimpse of him. You'll get a glimpse of Jesus. You'll get a glimpse of who he is. But on that day, on that train, not anyone was looking out the window except one girl. Oh yeah, one guy, he was focused on another girl. But there was one girl literally in the bathroom as the train was going by as the father sacrificed his son the dad was thinking what do you want to be when you grow up son I want to help people I want to save people I want to make people's life better all he could think of was his boy and in that bathroom there's a girl just turning to her addiction one more time just turning to her one more time just giving in one more time and for some reason she looked out the window of life and she saw God when you see what God did for you there's only two reactions number one you shake it off and go back to doing what you were doing you just say it's no big deal it's no big deal it doesn't even faze me I don't care or number two, you let it say you change your life. And that day, that girl, liquefying her addiction, going to her hope one more time, dropped it. Because she saw something greater than the drug, greater than the addiction, greater than, go ahead girls, go ahead and clap, because you know, you know, on the train of life, God wants to touch you. On the train of life, He wants to give you peace. On the train of life, He wants to help you. On the train of life, and you know what God knew? He knew that there would be people who right then, they wouldn't see it. But someday they'll hear the news. 
For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He died for one and he died for all. Can I show you one more thing tonight? I want you to see something that gripped me when my friend sent me this footage. I have a really good friend from the Czech Republic that made this. He's a, he's a director. He's really famous. But this is the part that I'll never forget. And I want you to know this. Right here. When God carried his only son. When God took him. When he walked for us. You know what's crazy? Hey, can you freeze that right there? Just leave it right there. Now go a little further. I want them to see him carrying him. They can't see it right there. Keep going, keep going. Right. A little more. Right there. Stop it right there. Right on the other side of the tree is God the Father. Carrying his only son. Who he sacrificed for you. Who he sacrificed for me. The question I have to ask you is, do you know him? Do you know what he does? Do you know what tonight is? He's digging you up. He's moving the rubble and the hurt and the pain that you've been buried in. Oh yeah, they both are connected. Both stories are really, you're getting it now. No matter what you've been through, no matter how many years, it all comes down to this night, this Sunday night, right here, right now, at this moment, just a little bit after 6 p.m., it comes down to this, that God loved you so much that he dug you up so that you can know that he gave his son for you. He gave his son for you. Let his son die for you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.